The blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more. All from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. And I'm Adam. And today we have another album review for you. This one has probably been a long time coming. Um, It was definitely one of the first ones to go on our list when we talked about doing album reviews. And I don't know if we put it off because we thought maybe it was too obvious. Obvious for us, but not like, I mean, most people I don't think, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's big but it's not like the biggest no but it, it it's important to us mm-hmm. uh and today we're going to be talking about the album super unknown by my favorite band of all time soundgarden there are probably a good number of people out there that would consider this their best album ever uh, it was definitely their probably most commercially successful album mm-hmm. i would say uh and I'm excited to go back and, and talk about this album. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was uh, their most su- successful album. Um, it was certified, certified five times platinum in the U.S. And, and uh, worldwide, it sold nine million copies. Um, definitely a critical and commercial success. Uh, it's kind of what became their breakthrough album. If you say, like, the, this is what the po- most pop culture people think about or, you know, people think mm-hmm. about them when they think of Soundgarden, it's songs from this album. Um, yeah. I would say maybe two in particular um yeah. it uh debuted at number one on the billboard 200 and uh and was number 19 at the uh, the year-end chart so it was a very popular album for sure yeah it was big um I, I i've mentioned this before on other episodes um and i'm pretty sure we just we kind of were introduced to the band at the same time and it was through the music video for black hole sun yeah yeah, definitely. As far as I can remember, that was really what uh, what brought them to our attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and then definitely, I latched onto the band pretty hard. Um, I de- I remember I went to go see them when I was in high school uh, at the Omni in mm-hmm. Atlanta, which is no longer there. Yep. Uh, it was actually one of the last shows to be at the Omni because uh, I think a couple months later, the they demolished it. Um, I've seen I've seen this band twice live. And then I saw uh, Chris Cornell once uh, when he did a solo tour, mm. just him with a band. And I have to say, I'm glad that I did spend the money to go see this band when I did. Yeah. Because obviously that's not possible anymore. Yep. Yeah. Obviously, um, unfortunately, Chris Cornell committed suicide back in 2017. A huge hit for me and John, and I know we'll say this probably multiple times, one of the mm-hmm. greatest rock voices uh, oh, especially of a generation of I'd say of all time yeah um, second to none yeah I exactly I mean if anyone doesn't put him up there with like you know like a Robert Plant's voice or or mm-hmm. uh, Steve Perry Chris Cornell is that conversation without question yeah. um so yeah like for me yeah absolutely the music video brought me to Soundgarden but you were the driving force for Soundgarden to be continued to <laughs> continuously played in our household. And I remember when I was younger, I would always, I latched onto Pearl Jam more than I did Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I would always say I liked them better. Um, maybe that was because I was like, I want to be different than John. I don't want to do this. And also I was hanging out with uh, my good friend who, who became our stepbrother, uh, Liam. He was a massive Pearl Jam head. And so we were yeah. in a crappy high school band together and whatnot. And so I heard a lot of Pearl Jam through him and whatnot. So, um, so I, I, I tried to lean on that, but, but then, you know, after you left off to college and I'd say very much when I w- went to college and then, uh, moved out, out to LA afterwards, um, I started listening to Soundgarden a lot more to absolutely where I would say I even now consider them. I, I appreciate their stuff more than I, even I appreciate Pearl Jam. Um, mm-hmm. so they became, uh, a, a higher a higher, I don't know if I had to rank bands, a higher ranked <laughs> band for me. Um, similar to you, I didn't get to see Chris Cornell live uh, personally, but I did see Soundgarden twice. Um, I saw them first in 2010. It, this was when they first got back together. Uh, yeah. so they broke up in 1998, and that was just 
pretty much signifying the end of grunge, I think was actually their, their breakup was the end of that era. I think that's a, a great landmark for when grunge ended. I tell you this, uh, for me, uh, when, when it was announced that the band was breaking up, it was probably tantamount to the Beatles breaking up mm-hmm. in 1970, uh, about how I felt. Yeah. Um, because that it was one of my favorite bands. Um, it was not that long after their other album, which came out right after this one called down on the upside. And actually I probably say, I actually listened to down on the upside more. Mm-hmm. And for the same reason, like when we talked about uh, our lady peace and I talked about gravity being the album I latched onto more because it was, it was made at the point when I was already a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this album introduced me to Soundgarden, and then I was like, awesome, I'm ready for the next one. And when the next one came out, I devoured that one mm-hmm. more so than I did this one because I was already into the band. And so that one I've kind of latched onto more. Um, not to say that there are better songs on that album. I've just, I'm more nostalgic for that one because of that reason. Yep. Because it was the one that came out when I was already a fan. Yeah, fair enough. All right, the album was released on March 8th, 1994, uh, as Adam mentioned, number one. Um, probably to the band's chagrin. I don't mm. think they were ready for that <laughs> level. I mean, they were already known for being a, a good Seattle grunge band. Mm-hmm. You know, Bad Motorfinger had already come out. There's some great songs on that album. But I don't think they were ready for this one. Um, I remember I actually watched an interview with the band. Uh, they were on um, Headbangers Ball like mm-hmm. right after the album came out. And the lady asked him, you know, have you noticed the difference? He's like, well, we see a lot more jocks at the show now. That was his takeaway. <laughs> okay. Uh, was recorded at Bad Animals Studios up in Seattle. And he specifically picked that one because it was the only studio in Seattle that had a Neve console. Okay. Uh, what is that? Neve is a is a brand. And they're ba- it's basically the top end of recording consoles mm. audio equipment um the u87 microphone by neve is one of the most ubiquitous vocal mics ever okay. and just condenser mics um and since i'm i'm slowly becoming a gearhead as far as audio goes the the famous uh oh god again sun studios that's it sun mm-hmm. studios mm-hmm. out in la yeah they had a neve console gotcha um, and that it's just it's a company out of England that are it, they're just known for having the best sounding equipment. Cool. So uh, that was the only one in Seattle that have one. So I guess they decided, well, I guess we're going to record there. Um, and it was produced by the band and by Michael Beinhorn. Beinhorn Finkel. Finkel yeah, I was Beinhorn. about to. I was going to make the same <laughs> joke. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to step on. You. No, dude, that was great. We were in sync. Uh, and, uh, he's, he's record, uh, he's produced a number of albums. The, probably the most notable ones besides super unknown would be, uh, he did whole celebrity skin. Uh, he did the, the verb pipes self-titled album and corns untouchables. Those are probably the biggest ones I'm looking at off the top of my head. Okay, cool. So was not a story. I mean, the guy had been producing since, um, the seventies. Oh, the other one that I found interesting. He also produced Herbie Hancock's Future Shock, which has his song Rocket on oh, there. The, yeah, the, the one song that most people know, they would recognize. Yes. Yeah. It, well, the one song that most people recognize who are not jazz fans. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, I'd say his most recognizable song is actually probably a song called Watermelon Man.
I didn't know that was him. Yeah, that's a, it's a Herbie oh, Hancock song. Oh, okay. Uh, just because I was in like high school band, everybody, everybody a- anyone, plays. Yeah, <laughs> anyone who was ever in high school band and played any kind of jazz chart probably played Watermelon. Yep. <laughs> uh, the uh, This album was nominated for the 1995 Grammy Award for Best Rock Album, which actually was the very first year that they did that award. Um, Grammys, in their ultimate awful wisdom, they decided to give it to the Rolling Stones for an album called Voodoo Lounge that doesn't have a single fucking song I've heard of. Um, Because <laughs> they're just like, oh, hey, the Rolling Stones, they're old and white and awesome and whatever, and we'll give it to them. I like the Rolling Stones. Um, and not, and, but, you know, it's just like, they, they those, those awards just, they pat back on like the old people, you know, more mm-hmm. than anybody else. Uh, they, don't, they don't give it to the new mentality on stuff. Um, I mean, other albums that were uh nominated that year were Pearl Jam's Versus, great album, mm-hmm. R.E.M.'s yeah. Monster, which I think absolutely could have won because that's a fantastic album. Um yeah. and then there was a uh Neil Young album. Um and I like Neil Young, but like yeah, you know, I don't know. Did it, was that the one that had fr- uh, Rockin' in the Free World? Oh, was that did that come out in the 90s? I can't remember. Okay. I don't I don't remember. I I didn't even look at it cuz like <laughs> Neil Young whatever. I um, remember he did a version of it with Pearl Jam. Yeah, I, I mean yeah, they definitely did a lot of collaborations together. Yeah. So, uh, and then the other thing I wanted to mention was the uh, album's cover art. I think I always kind of liked is interesting. Um, so, the the cover art, which has kind of been called "Screaming Elf," is actually just a <laughs> distorted photograph of the band members, um, kind ah. of above black, uh, and then above they have an upside down burning forest underneath it. So, but it looks, yeah, it looks good. I wouldn't expect anything less yeah. from Soundgarden. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> so the <clears throat> so the band themselves is Chris Cornell, uh, lead vocals mm-hmm. and rhythm guitar. Kim Thayhill, lead guitar, who I don't think gets enough credit for yeah. his influence on people and his, in my opinion, just sheer creative genius in his guitar solos. Yeah, I think when we did... Um our top 10 grunge songs like way back. I think it was, was that one? That might've been our very first top 10 that we did. Yeah, it was. Cause we also added like, Oh, what, who would you be your rock grunge super group? Yeah. And you were basically, yeah, it's Soundgarden plus Alice in Chains uh, singer, yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was something like that. But, um, but yeah, yeah Kim Thale, Thayhill, is that how you pronounce it? Thayhill. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah, he is, he's phenomenal. And there's, there's some solos in here that you're just like, wow, I kind of forget how good you are. Yeah. Uh, ben Shepard uh, on bass and someone who I've mentioned before as probably one of the biggest music influences of my you know my teenage years, Matt Cameron on drums, who is now the full-time drummer for Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after these guys broke up, he pretty much went over to Pearl Jam um, and has had been with them uh, until well, he he was doing both them, and then when Soundgarden back together, I think he was kind of doing both. Yeah. Um, and depending on who toured, he I think he tended to shift towards Pearl Jam because like when he, we both saw him, because we we saw them on the same tour leg, I think it was 2014 or 2015. Yeah, in different locations. Yeah, they used Matt Chamberlain, who's a very good drummer, instead of yeah. Matt Cameron. Yeah, which was because Matt Cameron just decided to stay with Pearl Jam because it was gonna he was gonna have more time at home uh, with his okay. kids, and as a father, I can't. Uh, I, I can't, I can't fault him. You for don't that, understand I, it. Why? Why the hell would you spend I've, time with your kids? <laughs> I've made decisions uh, myself, big, big uh, decisions based on spending time, more time with yeah. my kids. So, fair enough. Uh, a few uh, other uh, musicians on there: a lady named April Aceves Aceves on viola. Uh, someone. Uh, well, I'll just go ahead and mention him now. Someone whose real name is uh, Roger Wenzel, but is known as Artist the Spoon Man. Oh, yeah. I wonder what song he appeared on. <laughs> yep. Fred Chancellor played uh, Harmonic Guidance. I don't know no idea what that is. <laughs> okay. Justine Foy on cello, and these are all on different tracks. Greg Kiplinger on drums on track six. That name actually sounds familiar, and I'm trying to remember why it sounds familiar. I think he's just like a studio guy. Yeah, drums and percussion. Okay. Uh, and and then Natasha Schneider on the clavinet, which is kind of like a keyboard clavichord type instrument. Oh, okay. Um, all right. So there's quite a few songs on this one, 15 songs. Uh, 
So, Adam, I, I, I think we've probably held off enough. We could probably start talking about the album. Yes, we should. And we're going to start with a song called Let Me Drown. Stretch the marks I think if you've never heard Soundgarden before, this is a great introduction to their sound. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you get a really cool, interesting guitar lick at the beginning. Um, on the lower end of the of the sound spectrum for the guitar, which I think is going to be ubiquitous with a lot of stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get the you get both sides of Cornell's voice with this one. You get his more subdued side, and then you get his yelling, high in the register, yep. tenor voice, screaming in your face in the chorus. Yeah, and and no one really does it as good as him. Uh, and this does it. It, it does start it starts off the album well. It kind of just drops you in real quick, um, and I like that. It's it's not a standout song for me on the album, but it is a mm-hmm. good one. It's good shit, uh, and so I like that. Uh, Cornell stated that this song is about. Crawling back to the womb to die. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> God, these guys are dark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Dude was pretty dark. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, obviously, he had some stuff that, you know, uh, demons that he kind of would think about yeah. and came out in his songwriting. But yeah, apparently, like, yeah, like how <laughs> salmon always return to the place they were born to go die. And it's just like, okay, <laughs> damn. Uh, it rocks pretty good, though, especially when you get yes. to the chorus. You, you're going to oh, head yeah. Bob a lot uh, with it. Definitely. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the next one, which is called My Wave. This was, other than Black Hole Sun, this was one of the first songs on the album I remember really getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just being because Black Hole Sun was the, the, the one that drew me in, you know, with the, the music video and the, and the, and the radio play. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to music nerd out a little bit on this one. So there's a little bit of an auditory illusion at the beginning because um, it has this sort of ba da da and in your head when you're listening to it you're thinking that the beat is and that the rhythm starts on the beat and i remember seeing the sheet music and realizing oh it doesn't it actually starts on the and of the first beat so and then it goes into the riff and so it actually is on the offbeat and it's weird because you don't hear it like that because there's nothing else to reference there's no drums there's nothing else going on so your your ear tells you that it's one thing when in reality it's not i love songs that do that i could name a few of them that that kind of have that same uh that same sort of auditory trick. Yeah. Yeah. I really do like that opening and actually just, just kind of re-listening it this second, um, as we kind of, how we just re-listening to it this second, I actually kind of think it might've been a, it might've been good to put it at the very, very top, like just, just flip flop my wave and let me drown. And I think actually Mm -hmm. that might've, I mean, granted, I don't dislike the flow of this album, but just, just hearing how it starts, it it starts in a more unique way that might've started off this album better. I agree. I yeah. agree. I think it would have been a, a much more sort of jarring introduction and in a, in the best possible way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this song, My Wave, peaked at number 11 on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Charts. Um, 
I love the line, man. The, the don't come over here, piss on my gate, save it, just keep it off my wave. Like, it's just such a fun, I don't know, not a fun, it's a good energy of the song because it's basically yeah. just like, do whatever the fuck you want, just leave me alone. Get the fuck <laughs> away from me. Like, that's, you know, don't come over here, don't piss on my gate, just just stay off yeah. my wave. And it's just, and that's, it, just leave us alone. Like, that's the vibe from this song, yeah. but it's good shit. And it's funny because the words in and of themselves don't make any sense. Like, mm-hmm. what, what do you mean piss on my gate? What the, what the hell is that thing? What do you mean my wave? But the inflection in, in the tone and the way the, the, it is sung, you totally get the meaning. Yeah. Like, yeah, just go the fuck away. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a great one. This is one that I, um, yeah, I guess it was a single, but I, I don't think enough people remember this one as a strong Soundgarden song, and it, and it should be there. I agree. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go to the next song, which is called Fell on Black Days. Just when- Maybe gun to my head, I might say this is my favorite song on the album. I don't even need a gun. Um, this is, I mean, I'll actually say this is my favorite Soundgarden song, period. Uh, if you might okay. remember when we did rank our top 10 uh, grunge songs, this one was like my number three or two or something. This was up there. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I've lost my notes for it, so I couldn't re- <laughs> uh, find it, and I was too lazy to actually listen to the episode again. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> But yeah, this is this one is one that I keep going back to. Uh, you've already heard, especially in "Let Me Drown" and "My Wave," that high. You say that high tenor. I yeah. call it his vo- his vocal strain, like his his kind of his yeah. vocal scream, his rock scream. Um, this one he goes completely, you know, more harmonic sound, uh, yeah. and he's on a much more lower register. Uh, but it is just, it's. I think it's a phenomenal song. It it's, does sound different than a lot of their other stuff, but still, it fits their style. Yeah. Um, yeah, I whatever it was, I always uh, found myself going back and listening to Fell on Black Days. Yeah. It does have a little bit more of a sort of traditional rock sound to it, but in true Soundgarden fashion, they're not just going to let it be normal. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I love about the fact is that the, the, uh, the verses are in six instead of in four. Okay. You, you know, we, you usually have that sort of a simple four- you know, symmetrical sound in this one, he, and I, I think I mentioned this when we talked about that song. Um, it lasts a little bit longer. So you have one, And so, and <clears throat> so it, it feels like nothing about it feels wrong. You still feel like you can bop to it. And that's because it's an even, it's an even time signature as opposed to an odd one. But it's still that extra little bit that makes it feel slightly off. And to me, if it doesn't feel slightly off, it's not Soundgarden. <laughs> okay. Either uh, in some form or fashion in the song, if something about it isn't straining you, you're not. It's not. It's not a true Soundgarden song. Nice. Uh, so this one hit number fifty-four on the Billboard Hot 100 and number four on the mainstream rock song. So it's definitely uh, you know a hit for him. Yeah. Um, Cornell mentioned. Uh, that this song, it's like uh, it's like this ongoing fear he had for years. It's a feeling that everyone gets. You're happy with your life. Everything's going well. Things are exciting. And then when all of a sudden you realize you're unhappy in the extreme to the point where really, or to the point of being really, really scared. There's no particular event you can pin things down to. It's just that you realize one day everything in your life is fucked. <laughs> so it's just like, ooh. Yeah, I mean, they definitely, they def- man, I mean... Here's definitely those signs, you know? They have a brand, he, and he they stick brand. to it. He sticks to that brand. Um, I watched the music video for this one, mm-hmm. um, and it was meh, 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 meh music video. It's basically them in a studio, you know, playing in a studio with black and white with some, like, other footage. Um, it was directed by Jake Scott, who was actually the son of Ridley Scott. Oh. So, yep. Um, and he's directed some other, I'd say, pretty damn good uh, music videos. Everybody Hurts by R.E.M. 
is a classic music video. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Um, he did Lightning Crashes by Live Galaxy by Blind Melon. He did that music video. Nice. Um, In the Meantime by Space Hog. I can't remember if that was one that you mentioned was one of your uh, top 40 or your, your um, one-hit wonders. No. I can't remember. It was one of my one. It was actually my number one. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. He did the music video for that one. Also, Morning yeah. Glory for Oasis. Uh, and he, he did the music video for Burden in My Hand for Soundgarden as well. So Okay. Cool. All right. Well, let's move on to the next song, which is called Mailman. So one thing I like about this one, first of all, the music was actually written by Matt Cameron for this song. Nice. Um, Soundgarden actually has always done a pretty good job of letting everyone write stuff. Um, I was re- I was reading an interview in preparation, and it sounds like a lot of the times everyone would go off and write their own songs and record demos. Then they would come together and pick out which songs they wanted to do, and then everyone would flow together into that song and make it a sound garden song nice so this was one that matt cameron brought to the table i actually kind of like the slow drudge at the beginning mm-hmm. yeah that's a good way to put it <laughs> like it uh, it like mm-hmm. it it feels like it's limping mm-hmm. if that makes any sense at all yeah kind of does i mean I, yeah i love that the lines the you know that i know i'm heading for the bottom uh, I'm riding you all the way. Uh, I mean, yeah. his vocals, his vocals are so good. The way he sings, I love the way he kind of like, I don't know, he kind of jumps up an octave, like with some of the stuff. You know, you're he hits some pretty good falsettos on this one. Yeah, he, and then he like, he, he could be going like, ee, instead he goes, ee, or whatever. You know, yeah. I can't do it. Um, <laughs> but he's nobody can, Adam. Nobody can. Nobody, nobody can recreate it. Yep. Uh, apparently, this song is about killing your boss. <laughs> Thank you, Matt Cameron. Um, maybe Mailman Ax- for oh, sorry. Poster. I, I should have said, actually, uh, Cornell did write the lyrics. Matt Cameron oh, okay. just wrote the music. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, about killing your boss. It's about coming to work early one morning because you have a special agenda and you're going to shoot him in the fucking head is what Cornell said. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. So That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Everybody dreams about that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've got a great boss. I love my boss. <laughs> I don't know if she listens to the show, but I'm just making sure she knows. Right. I love her. <laughs> I don't currently have a boss, so I don't have anyone to hate. I guess I say my wife is my boss. Oh, well, she's I awesome. love my boss. Yes. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next one, which was apparently titled when Cornell misread something, thinking that it was a word, and then turning out it wasn't a word. And it was called Super Unknown. I like how this song moves. Yeah. You know, the, the guitar licks keep us moving. Um, the drums are pretty, you know, consistent the whole time. And we're getting that great kind of Cornell yell. Oh, man. He does it through so, a lot of this. So well in this song. Um, yeah. Uh, it, that riff that it starts off, it's just like, I love that. Like, Thale's doing great finger work right there, I guess. Yeah. Is what it would be. Um, but yeah, then it's, I like how it starts off with that. And then, yeah, the rest of the instruments come in normally and just kind of rock hard, good, solid, hard rock song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not, it, I mean, not, no, not too much more really to add about yeah, what's going on in the song. It's, but not, it keeps, it's not standing out, but it is no, fucking but it, good. It keeps your head bobbing through the whole it thing. It does. It keeps you yeah. moving, which is good. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that they would, this would be, this would be the name of the, of the album, um, you know, of this, it being this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's not like a single or anything like that, and it's not even like a standout song to me. But I don't know. I, I, it's, I'm, it's, I think he just liked the word. Yeah, maybe <laughs> he did like the word. Fair enough. Which is fine. Which is fine. 
Uh, all right, let's move on to the next song, which was written by the bass player, both lyrics and music, and it is called Head Down. So this one, it's it's one of the most. How's the be, God? How's the best way I'm going to put this? It's it is both simultaneously a Soundgarden song and doesn't sound like a Soundgarden mm. song at the same time. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's it's okay. I think because of that, because they do kind of departure from their sound. They almost have like a almost like an Indian. Sound. I feel like the they're. It's all, I know they didn't use a, sit, a sitar, but it mm-hmm. sounds like they're having their guitar play as if almost like it's trying to mimic sitar sound. Um, kind yeah. of to me. I, I get you get I get a druggy feel with this song a little yes. bit. Too. That's a great way of putting it. <laughs> I get a druggy feel. And I think that's a perfect lead up to the next song. And <laughs> this is kind of like some of the very, very psychedelic styles with these ones. Um, and I, 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 I like it just fine. Yeah. And I'll sit through it when I'm listening to the album. But um you know, I'll, I'll probably skip if I'm just wanting to hit hit the big stuff. It's it's not it's definitely not going to be one that you search out. Yeah, and if I'm making like you know my my favorite uh, Soundgarden playlist, this one's certainly not making it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to the next one, which I would probably say is probably their best known oh, yeah. song, and that is "Black Hole Sun." So oddly enough, the band was actually like shocked when this one became a mm. huge mega hit. Yeah, it's not it's not like pop rock really at all. So I find it I find this this song just kind of interesting. I guess this is this is around the the kind of the gonna be around the end of the grunge era because actually this album came out just two months before uh Kurt Cobain died. Okay. It came out interesting. he died or no no, one album or one month, excuse me. Because the album came out in March and he died in April. Okay, so yeah, and this song, the the song itself was released as a single in May of that year. So it came out after the single yeah. came out after his death, but yeah. the album came out before. Um, yeah, interesting. It definitely doesn't doesn't. I mean, it's grunge again, similar enough to the last song. It's grunge. It's but it's also different. It's very yeah. psychedelic rock it, to it. It does have that psychedelic rock sort of sound and feel to it. Yeah. Um I think I don't I don't know if this is true but I think that a music video probably had a lot to do with helping his popularity. Yeah, that was a weird music video. I did rewatch <laughs> it for this. Um you get the the weirdest thing is like it used like um some kind of warping effects to 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 stretch people's eyes, make them bigger and their mouths and they looked really yeah. weird. If you've never seen that video, you need to go check it out just yeah. for the weirdness. Yeah, it's like this weird neighborhood, and then like there's a sun. The sun turns into a black hole. It sucks everybody up. Um, but they're just—it's really—it's like—it's like you know, almost like a '50s. Uh, you know that what's that? What was that movie we talked about? Edward Scissorhands. Kind of like an over, like heavy suburban '50s uh, neighborhood, but they're all just very, very weird and extra weird, and then they get sucked up into into a black hole. Um, and it actually, it won the best metal slash hard rock video at the 1994 MTV Video Music Awards. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Kim Thayhill said that uh, it was it was like they considered that song like their dream on of their set. Oh yeah, this, that's what people were waiting for. Yeah, which is unfortunate because there's so many good songs, and there's ones I like so much better. I mean, I like this one, 
it's yeah. good but i like other a lot of other stuff and actually quite a bit on this album or, or multiple ones on this album i like more than black hole sun um but yeah was their biggest hit hit number 24 on the billboard hot 100 and number one on the rock charts it spent seven weeks uh atop the rock charts from what i saw cornell talked about with this song he says lyrically it's probably the closest to me just playing with words for word's sake of anything I've ever written. I guess it worked for a lot of people who heard it, but I have no idea how you begin to take any of these lyrics literally. It's like he was just throwing <laughs> shit together. Which I think is, to- I think that sums up uh, grunge lyrics right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just, they, they sound good, cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've tried to analyze either Nirvana or Stone Temple Pilots or Soundgarden lyrics, and you're like, None of this makes any fucking sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This song, though, this song is good. It's, you know, it's got some catchiness to it while still being dark. Oh, yeah. and this is the one I wanted to call out. Kim Thayhill's guitar solo in here is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dude goes yeah. ham. He does. Yeah. He just pulls out stuff that you like, yeah, I I wouldn't expect to hear in this. It does like some like, I don't know if he does like hammer things or he just does some very quick moving th- stuff like his again yeah. finger work awesome yeah incredible all right let's move on to the next song which is called spoon man like a really lame superhero well spoon man is a superhero call me a fan <laughs> i love this song yeah and and maybe that's why even though i was looking at their charts um fell on black days did significantly better than spoon man but for me i feel like most people think um black day black hole sun and then i think they think spoon man from this album as well and maybe mm-hmm. it's but maybe it's because you played it so much uh or i don't know but they did yeah, have I mean, a music- it was- it, it was played. Yeah, go ahead. So it, was, uh, it did have a music video, um, and so like it did get airplay, and, yeah. you know, and, and on the TV. Um, and I heard God it sakes, on the radio all the time. Yeah, true. And it and it um, even has a fucking like you know it uses spoons. It uses legit spoons in the it's song. It's got a spoon solo <laughs> in the song. <laughs> yeah, I think awesome. that's that was probably why we thought it was so cool. Um, every single time I saw Chris Cornell either on his own or with Soundgarden. They open with this song oh. every single time. This huh. was the first one when I saw them in Atlanta way back in '97, mm-hmm. uh, and then when I saw him again around 2010 ish, and then in 2014 and the last one, same thing. They opened with Spoon Man. Interesting. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I don't. I don't remember the the order like you do. But uh, well, I remember right. it because at that point I'd already seen him twice, and he'd opened with Spoon Man twice. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, is he gonna do it again? And sure as shit, he did. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's it just helps warm him up. It's yeah, I mean, it's not it's not one that he has to scream too much. I don't remember him doing much of that. That so maybe he doesn't he can build up his vocals. Yeah. Plus, it is know. pretty high energy, so it's a good one yeah. to get the crowd going for. True, true. Um, so it hit number three on the mainstream rock chart, uh, and it was the first single that that they actually put out for the album. Uh, it was actually the song was actually written for the soundtrack to the 1992 film Singles. Because uh, at the time, mm. Soundgarden, along with Pearl Jam, were doing the soundtrack for that movie. Uh, and Pearl Jam bassist Jeff Ament was put in charge of creating the name for a fictional band that would appear in the film. So he eventually chose Citizen Dick uh, was the name <laughs> of, the, of the fake band. <laughs> wow, so grunge. Um, but Ament, he had a list of different names. And Spoon Man was on there. It was inspired by this guy, artist the Spoon Man, who uh, is a street performer from Santa Cruz, who actually they got to play the spoons on here, and he's mm-hmm. uh, he performs in the music video as well. Um, but Chris Cornell saw those fake band names, and he's like, "Oh, I want to write some songs <laughs> to match these." <laughs> yeah. uh, and Spoon Man was one of those. It actually, started off as an acoustic version. Um, oh, and then they and then it obviously they electrified it up and put it on yeah. this album. 
it's another one of those weird songs that's in a weird time signature because the the verse is actually it's 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 slow if you're counting the beat it it sounds faster because of how they play it, but it's in seven four okay so it's it's another weird one if you if you count out the whole like oh, I'm not trying to do it five see we do that together John we're a team and okay. so you do the, you do the music and I'll do the counting okay yeah. So I helped. It, I helped. <laughs> it's shake and bake, and I helped. Uh, but they make it sound so effortless, and it doesn't feel weird. It still mm. feels natural, which yeah. I, I think is just a testament to their writing ability. Uh, all right, well, let's move on to the next song, which is called Limo Wreck. I'll be going down for the rest of this This is as close to a slow jam mm. <laughs> as Soundgarden can get, and it's it still works. I think it's a great compliment to coming down off of Spoonman that was mm-hmm. high energy all the way through, and this one slows us way down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does build up. Well, it doesn't build up in the tempo per se, but it no. does build up as a, as a crescendo in intensity. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I think this is maybe one of their more underrated songs. I love Limo Wreck. Um, I, I love that slow build about it with the, with the intensity, you know, great, great Cornell vocal scream and, and strain mm-hmm. that he does, but you know, that he gets up to by the end of the song. Um, and in my opinion, it might be one of his better vocal songs on the album for me. Yeah. And you just, you get his higher pitches, you get his rock style and just, it's a, it's a fucking awesome song. You're right. It slows things down, but for me, obviously in a very good way. Yeah. I've never smoked marijuana. Nerd. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. And I definitely didn't totally when okay. I was when I was younger, but like this is a song I could see getting high to. Okay, let's make John a, a get high to playlist. Let's see if we can you know convince him where here's some really good high songs, and then see if he can do it. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can get uh, Kevin Smith to come on and do a yeah, top man. ten songs to get high to. <laughs> there we go. Maybe or maybe Snoop Dogg or yeah. Willie Nelson, whoever. No. no. We're not big enough, John. We'll probably get like fucking Doug Benson. <laughs> Lame. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Wow. I, I have no issues with Doug Benson. <laughs> I just know he likes to smoke pot a lot, and <laughs> he, it just I don't I don't I'm not a huge fan of his humor, but I don't dislike the guy. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, let's move on to the next song called "The Day I Tried to Live." And I actually, I, I no hate to Doug Benson. You're cool. <laughs> Are we cool? like the intro to this song Mm. well before you before you have that you have that sort of really high guitar like which is actually two different guitar solos going on the side at the same time and they're panned far left and far right Mm. so if you're listening to them in headphones you'll hear them uh, uh, distinct of each other Mm -hmm. which is a cool effect uh, i think yeah and i think they do that in a, um, a different song later on as well Okay. Uh, or, or something kind of similar. Um, but yeah, this one, another single. It's um, number 13 on the mainstream rock chart. 
Uh, I think this is a great song. This one does yeah. make like my my favorites Soundgarden's mm-hmm. list. Um, you know, again, great vocal uh, performance from Chris Cornell. Um, what he wrote, what he talked about with this song is that um, it's about trying to step out of being patterned and closed off and reclusive, uh, which I've always had a problem with. It's about attempting to be normal and just go out and be around other people and hang out. Uh, you know, it's the, the day he tried to actually live and go out. And you can tell, yeah, I mean, knowing knowing how his story ended yeah. in life, um, it does, all this stuff kind of fits and makes sense with him. Uh, but yeah, the song's great. I, I do get kind of like a, you know, an uplifting vibe on it as weird mm-hmm. as it sounds but it uh it's a really really good one i have to say out of all the singles i'm kind of surprised that this one became a single yeah I agree. and did and did as well as it did mm-hmm. um but i mean yeah i still love the song and and it is yeah it would definitely make a sound garden mix yep. yep hands down easily yep all right so let's go to the next one which is called kickstand So we're getting a little bit more of our of a, a little punk influence, a little thrash metal influence, which is, is kind of keeping kind of with where Soundgarden started. Yeah, I wrote that same note. This kind of reminds me almost like an homage to their Loud Love album, like their early yeah. stuff. Yeah. I've always loved the opening line, kickstand, you got loose and I threw up. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just weird enough for me to, to be stuck in my head that I, I, I always, I'd smile whenever I hear it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a departure sonically from some of the stuff we've heard previously on this album, but it's not departure from Soundgarden. And if you right. listen to their other stuff, I think it fits just fine. It's quick. I mean, also, if you don't like it, it's a minute and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so. But it's fair to say, like, I think everything up to this point is a departure mm. from the normal Soundgarden sound. This is probably the most – anyone who was listening to Soundgarden before this probably – didn't hear what they were normal, what they were used to hearing yeah. until they got to kickstand. Very true. Um, did you, because you said you really love Blow Up the Outside World, did you go back and listen to um, uh, Loud, Lo- uh, yeah, Loud Love and uh, Bad Motorfinger all that much? Um, I have listened to them. I've even uh, actually got, there was a like an EP that they yeah. re-released from like the early, early years. I've listened to all of it. And the later stuff is more my style. Okay. So um, there are some certain songs, like there's there's a good number of songs, you know, like uh, uh, Jesus Christ Pose, Outshined, uh, or yeah. Drawing Flies, All Off the Bad Motorfinger. I love those songs. Yeah. Rusty Cage is a great one. Oh, yeah, Rusty Cage, another great one. Um, but beyond that, that the early their early style was not my style. Okay. So I, my, I, that's why I latched onto their later stuff. They're sort of slower, darker stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at the uh, the list for, uh, at least for Bad Motorfinger. And then, yeah, like a lot of them, ones you, you said in there, uh, Room a Thousand Years Wide is another one I fucking love. Like that is a really good album too. Yeah. But you're right, it, it does have harder, like that earlier, you know, less developed grunge sound to it, I would yeah. say. Has definitely, you hear more of the metal influence. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's go on to the next one called Fresh Tendrils. I like this one. This one is always a surprise. Like I always forget that it's on the album until it comes up and it's like, it's, it has a different sound. This is another one that camp Matt Cameron wrote and, and also co-wrote some of the lyrics with Cornell on this one. And 
I'm starting to hear some similarities in the guitar riffs. Not necessarily like exactly similarities, but like a style similarities between this one and the other one he he wrote, uh, Mailman. And so he did, Cameron definitely has his own writing style. Um, it's definitely not a standout one, but as I said, it's a surprise. It's always like, oh yeah, this one. It's it's cool. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think this is a song that doesn't get enough love. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, just it's got a good. Just I don't know. To me, I guess one I want to. I want to grab a cigar and just go drive. Like, I don't yeah. know what this weird is. <laughs> Dun, long time coming. Yeah. You know, if, I could, if I have like a, uh, uh, some kind of convertible, you know, yeah. or something, just kind of crank this song and just enjoy the road. I think this would be a good driving song. Um, but like, like a chill idea. driving song, not yeah. like a life is a highway driving song. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah. So, um, yeah, apparently kind of looking at the lyrics, it might be about alcohol addiction or maybe parent child relationships, which I think he struggled with both of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. He had some uh, issues with his, with his dad, I think. Um, but yeah, overall, this is a good one. Yeah. All right. And let's go to the next song, which is called 4th of July. little bit of a it's kind of a style change in the in the music but you're getting this almost doom metal style really low earthy grungy guitar sound that's just you know i I use drudge for mailman if that was (laughs) if 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 mailman was drudge this one is just snailing along like Mm. it feels slower than it is and it's really pushing you uh as it's going yeah i mean heavy heavy distortion yeah. On this one, it feels like, um, and I like how they so they do something, and I, I think it's Cornell doing both parts where they have Cornell singing low, yeah, and then they have him singing high on top of himself. Yeah. So you're getting you're getting like those two different octaves or whatever kind of laying on right. top of each other, and it works it works really well. It's something I don't remember hearing previously. No, yeah, uh, well, I think because they're they're the guitar sonically is tuned down so low. Mm-hmm. That if he was only singing up high, there'd be this sort of sonic gap. And mm-hmm. so having him sing an octave low, I think, fills in that middle sound, which works really, really well with this song. Yeah. Uh, so from Cornell, what this song is about. Uh, the song is about being on acid and having two cop cars pull up next to you with their fly- with their lights flashing. <laughs> and that's that's the... <laughs> That's a reminds him of the 4th of July fireworks kind of thing, I guess, because he was on acid. <laughs> so, good times. Man, uh, I, I, I wish, I don't know, I wish we didn't have to say it, but we would not have some of the greatest songs ever yes. if it weren't for drugs. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, 100%. And I got to respect, like, you know, I feel like there's a lot of um, artists who don't like people interpreting their songs or like someone, I think it's like, um, was it Maynard Jackson from Tool? He doesn't like people... You know, or or maybe it's other ones where it's like, oh, it's kind of up for inter- interpretation or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it's 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 art and it can be other things, or it's one person's art and so it's their decision. Cornell's just like, no, nah, it's about fucking acid, man. <laughs> he just <laughs> he just fucking says it like it is, and you, <laughs> I, you, you gotta, you, how do you miss him? Fucking yeah. love him. Oh god, I think I actually cried that day. It was an intense day. Yeah, I remember I was working at uh, FBE at that time, mm-hmm. um, and it was just like, holy shit. I don't normally get choked up about celebrity deaths, but it, I'd have to say in my lifetime, there's only been two. Mm-hmm. Um, it was him and Robin Williams. Yeah. The only, those are the only two I've ever gotten kind of like choked up about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My boss at the time was right around our age and we, we bonded with a lot of like, you know, it was some classic music and also just nineties music and other stuff and music in general and other things. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who told me, and I was just like, he's like, dude, Chris Cornell's dead. And I'm like, What? It was just, yeah, it was. And then, of course, the rest of the day was listening to Soundgarden and, yeah. and Audio Slave stuff. 
so. I did the same thing. I was working actually in an elementary school, and the and the the times I didn't have any kids in the room, I shut the door and was mm-hmm. just playing Soundgarden. I couldn't play it too loud, but I I had yeah. it going. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right, let's go to the penultimate song called Half. So this was a Ben Shepard written song, and everything I know about the man screams that he wrote this song. Oh, okay. Uh, it's just fucking weird. It does. It feels much more like an interlude to me than it yes. does feel like a, like a legit song. Um, definitely, again, that Indian influence. Yeah, with this one. I, maybe I mean maybe that's what he was listening to a lot of, because mm-hmm. um, the, the the other one you said the same thing about his song. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea what the fuck he was saying. Yeah, there are lyrics, uh, and I, I looked them up, but uh, there wasn't anything important. It was just, it just, it, the, when the way it's sung, it seems so creepy. You know, it, it's hard to say it's even sung. You know, I couldn't, yeah. I don't think, I think for a while I didn't even know that I was like a voice. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, very I don't, falsetto as well. I don't dislike the music. Yeah. Um, I don't even dislike the weird sound. I think it kind of goes together, but this is definitely an in, uh, interlude, I think, is the, is a, the, mm-hmm. the best description. Yeah the song it's just getting us from one to the next yes uh and that brings us to our last song on the album which unfortunately is a very prophetic Mm -hmm. called like suicide So I, I heard on an interview, um, I did a lot of interview listening in preparation mm-hmm. for this review, uh, that Cornell did a few years ago. Uh, oh, actually, it would have been about 2014 because it was in preparation for the 20th anniversary r- release, uh, yeah. uh-huh. which was the tour that we saw them on, um, that this song almost didn't make the album. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, it's a good one. It's a really good song. Um, because, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, uh, the band would all bring their stuff in, and they would all kind of decide. And this one actually got voted out initially. Mm. And he actually did it acoustically initially. I bet it would, I bet it would really work acoustically. Honestly. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, I don't, he ne- I ne- when I saw him, he never did this particular one. Um, acoustically. In fact, I'm not even sure that they ever played this song. Um, I'd have to check. You can probably see the set list for the 2014 because I know that one was a um, that one was a anniversary tour of this one, and I can't remember if they played every song in this album or just most of the songs on this album. I know they played a lot of them, mm-hmm. but I bet that set list is out there. Um, yeah, believe it or I believe it or not, it's actually pretty easy to find set lists. Nowadays, of some shows. In fact, I actually remember this. I when I went to go see um, Smashing Pumpkins, the first thing I did was look up online where in the previous tours, like what the set list had be, because people will post them. So I knew exactly what songs were coming. Yeah, wasn't wasn't that wasn't that uh, like wasn't Billy Cor- wasn't that like a three hour concert or some shit? It was a long, long, long concert, and there were no opening acts. It was just them. Okay. They played a long concert, and it was interesting because it was sort of like it was Billy Corgan being Billy Corgan, yeah, and the band, and like the band just being the band. <laughs> uh, you know, they weren't kind of weirding out as mm. as much. But I had to say, he still sounds like himself. He still he still got a good voice. It was a great show. Cool. It was definitely a great show. Um, I actually left before the encore. Because none of the songs in the encore I recognized. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I, remember, all, I think I remember you telling me you left early. Or yeah, something. all yeah. of the – because I looked on the list, I was like, I don't know any of these encore songs, so I'm going to bounce now before <laughs> everyone else gets yeah. out. Cool. All of the ones I wanted to hear, he'd already played. Mm-hmm. So anyway, let's get back to, to like Suicide. Um, I find this is an interesting song. I like the little drum lick at the beginning. It, it really does nothing for me as far as like standing out. I don't ever really mm-hmm. go seek it out. But I yeah. think it's a good, it's a decent song. It is. I mean, it ends it ends us on a kind of a somber note, obviously, with um, what the song is about. Actually, but speaking about what the song is about, uh, Chris Cornell said that this song, this song, he wrote it after a bird flew into the window of his house. Um, you know, so it, like hit the window and died. So he, well, it didn't die. He found the severely injured bird and then he killed it, hitting it with a brick to end its suffering. Oh Jesus. That's an intense moment. So yeah, so um, and I, apparently it might have been a crow uh, on top of that because all right. So here's some of the lyrics: She lived like a murder, you know, murder of crows. Mm-hmm. Um, how'd she fly so sweetly? Uh, she lived like a murder, but she died just like suicide. Which you know, flying into the that kind of has that similar mentality. Um, yeah. And then other lyrics: Yeah, and my last ditch was my last brick, lent to finish her, finish her. With eyes of blood and bitter and bitter blue, how I feel for you. So it's like he wrote all that shit into there, and that's that's pretty crazy. He gets inspiration from some of the weirdest places, but his songs are very hauntingly beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I uh, agree. And I mean, even even though you know you hear this is about um, a a bird, him taking it and relating it to suicide, and then obviously the extremely somber note of how he killed himself um, and he committed suicide. It, it, it puts a whole different kind of spin on the song and I'd say, and, and to the close of the album for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, just, it just hits a little harder. Yeah, it does. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's go into our final thoughts. Adam, why don't you go ahead and get us started? Um, this is an amazing album uh, by an amazing band uh, led by one of my favorite front front men of all time. Um, I will put this album back up every now and then, and mm. so it's one that I will listen to all the way through. And it's uh, it's got some of my absolute favorite Soundgarden songs. Like I mentioned, "Fell on Black Days" is one that I will kind of go out and play like almost. I've played it on repeat multiple times because I love it that much. Just like keep it playing mm. like damn near, you know, five six times in a row because it's it's that good. Mm. Um, but this is, and it is. Sorry, I dropped an Allen wrench because I was fiddling with an Allen wrench, <laughs> <laughs> and I only have concrete that i'm on right now um and we've mentioned so much about chris cornell but this is not just chris cornell and soundgarden this is a band of four amazing musicians each one of them in their own right i mean you've called them all out and they've all got um they're just they're they're phenomenal in their field every single one Mm -hmm. of them um i i love super unknown and i will continue to love this album uh for the rest of my life yeah this is probably the last great grunge band mm-hmm. to exist um, before that movement kind of died out. I think this album does and will stand the test of time um, and is a, a standout representation of what the grunge movement led to. And this band, I can never ever say enough good things about them. That, I mean, I just love this band so much. Um, I still, any, anytime anyone asks me, he's like, who's your favorite band without hesitation, I will say Soundgarden. And yes, there are, there are albums I, I tend to more than others and that's fine. Cause a band's going to grow and they're going to develop how they do. And I have nothing, nothing but, um, the utmost respect, uh, for these band members, um, there was a, a band that just released an album this year, 2021. And, um, oh God, I cannot remember the name of the band, but it's led, it's led by the girl who was the little girl in the Grinch, how the Grinch stole Christmas Taylor oh, or something. Yeah. I don't remember the band either, but yeah. um, I know, I knew she became a, like a, um, a, a, singer, a rock star. Or, yeah. Rock star. Yeah. So her band had an album on one song. She had both Kim Thayhill and Matt Cameron play on oh. it and i was like bye <laughs> like I, yeah. I don't even have to hear it yet bye <laughs> yeah because i know uh, i know i'm gonna love it 
So uh, I, yeah, I could sit here for another hour and gush about the band, but uh, I think at this point everyone realizes that this is, uh, they were something really special. Mm -hmm. All right. And that was our review of the album Super Unknown by Soundgarden. Please join us next time as Adam and John go to the beach to break down the 1985 film Summer Rental, discuss the 90s television epic Baywatch, and recast Summer Rental using actors of today. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at BlastPassCast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. La la la.